Welcome to the Adjusting to the Real World podcast, where we help you navigate through the crazy world we're currently living in. And now, here's your host, Professor Jim Wilkinson. Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Joe. And uh, I would like, we have two guests here today, and our discussion topic today is going to be uh, women in a more alternative field. And these are women in engineering. Uh, and I'd like you to please, uh, both of you, introduce yourselves to the, to the podcast. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wilkinson. So I'm currently a mechanical engineering major and a robotics engineering minor at WPI, in addition to playing on the field hockey team here. And your hometown? Oh, I'm from Wilbraham, Massachusetts. Okay, and Lauren? And I'm Lauren DeShong. I'm from Milford, New Hampshire. I'm a junior industrial engineering major at WPI, and I'm also getting statistics and business minors. And I also play on the varsity field hockey team. Okay, so let me get started with some statistics that are out there, because I'm a college professor and uh, I advise, I advise all the way down to high school levels. And what it looks like is about two thirds uh, of all degrees are actually concentrated in three fields, liberal arts, general studies and humanities with another say 20% in business. So we're talking right now about, you know, close to 90% of all fields other than engineering. Okay, but now they're looking at, there's a trend that's going on and, and it's not about data points necessarily. It's about trends and, and in fact, colleges plan on trends. They don't plan on data points to say, okay, 2021, we got, we increased by 12%. So that, that added, you know, 18 more uh, students from, for engineering. So, but the trend right now is that women are representing a larger percentage in engineering, but even a much larger percentage in master's degrees and uh, all the way up to doctorate. So the first question I would have with, with you, and we'll, I'll start with you, Kelsey, is with th that data in mind, what's a primary compelling factor for you to pursue a degree in engineering? I think me personally is I grew up, um, I've always been very hands-on with my learning and I've always liked projects. And even when I was little, it was between like playing with the Legos and stuff like that. So I've always definitely been interested in the engineering field. And I think I was very fortunate to know that from an early age, because I know a lot of students struggle with trying to find that. And then just getting into different programs, whether it was like classes at school or clubs outside of school, kind of further advancing that education. I know I was able to take um, introduction to CAD in high school and a tech design class that also introduced me to certain aspects of engineering that also further enhanced my um, want to continue into this specific field. And then actually getting to WPI early on freshman year just secured my decision in wanting to pursue engineering. And you, Lauren, how about you? So for me in high school, I always, and even middle school, I always knew that I was the most interested in math and science. And I was also, it was also, those were my better subjects. 
Um, so I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with that in the beginning. I didn't know that I wanted to exactly go into engineering, but I just knew that I liked math and science. So actually initially when I went to WPI, I was a actuarial mathematics major. So I did that for the first year and a half. And then I ended up actually switching into industrial engineering. But for me, it was really just that I always had an interest in math and science. It was just about finding the path that I wanted to pursue with those interests. Um, and also my dad's an engineer. Um, so he really pushed me to pursue that too from like a young age. I knew that um, I wanted to get into, into like technical fields and stuff. So I think that was what really pushed me to do it. And um, the fact that like the number of women in engineering, I think has been um, getting bigger and bigger like every year for a while. So I think just that, um, that like growth, I guess, really pushed me towards it too. So have you experienced that with WPI as you look around the count and your classmates? Yeah, I'm pretty sure actually our freshman class, like when we were freshmen, it was the largest percentage of women in a class at the school. I'm not positive it's still that as there's two grades below us now, but I'm pretty sure um, the graduating class this year, it's a 60-40 ratio, which is really good considering the first ever class of women at WPI was, I think, three or four total. Oh, that's a yeah, pretty definitely, good ratio. Definitely when we walk around campus, we don't feel like there's more males or females. To me, it seems very equal. Um, so I think the school really has tried to get that number to be more equal because I know that it wasn't always in the past. Okay, so there's a term in uh, that's used in advising. It's called the support stream. And a support stream isn't like a support mechanism. You know, you've got a, uh, a, a counselor at high school and then you have your, your parents, but there's a stream that you're, you're, you're actually getting down the stream. It's sort of like a vector that drives you into this field. So explain to me what you think your support stream was, Lauren. Um, I think that definitely between my school and both of my parents growing up, um, they definitely always pushed me to do whatever I wanted to do and like go for whatever I wanted to go to school for. Um, and like I said, the fact that my dad was in engineering was um, a big plus for me. And then my school also, my high school also had a lot of classes and stuff that really prepared us for a degree in engineering too. And all of my math and science teachers were always really supportive and they encouraged us to go for that degree in engineering. Um, so they were always supporting me. Both my parents were always supporting me. So I really think that was huge for me. Was it a STEM-based high school? Um, no, mine wasn't. Um, they did have um, an, a small engineering program where there was like a couple classes you could take, um, but it wasn't a STEM high school. It was just um, a public school in my town. And how about you, Kelsey? I would say the same as Lauren. Definitely growing up, my parents, they never necessarily like had the engineering background, but they always pushed me to pursue whatever I wanted and supported me with my decisions. And I would also say like in high school, we also did have an internship program as seniors, which was um, I think very crucial to deciding colleges because I was able to do an engineering internship during the day at high school, which actually um, a lot of the older kids that graduated before me talked about how they 
thought they wanted to do this career, but then they were able to do this internship and decide before going to college and before committing to college whether they actually still wanted to do it because obviously when we're younger, it's harder to tell just from reading about it. So I think that internship also gave me the hands-on experience I needed to really confirm my decisions and definitely the support from my parents always willing to like, they always told me like, don't worry about college, like wherever you wanna go, like we'll support you. So that was definitely very helpful. So Lauren, did you do an internship in high school? I did not. Um, I just had my classes and stuff. We didn't really have um, that sort of program. Okay, so I want you to get that the stream is different, but the end result is the same. So it's like, you know, someone has this this vector that's that's pushing it and moving it along from the external to the family type of thing, an internship or the, the programs that are available in school. And then you have the family as part of the stream to push it along. These are two very important things that people have to take into consideration when they're thinking of pursuing a career and the type of education they need in order to enhance that career or get that career. So as the as the date shows 80 as the data shows 80% are males, do you have any bearing on uh in the pursuit of maintaining the drive? How it keeps you going? I would say me personally, like I've never been like intimidated necessarily. I know with my major mechanical engineering, um, it is a very male-dominated major. So now that I'm getting older and getting into my major specific classes, I have noticed the decrease in women in my classes and the increase in males, but I've also never really seen that um, as like a hindering in my education. I've always felt equal and our school definitely also offers a lot of opportunities to help with the equality. There's women in STEM or women in engineering societies. There's girls who code. Like this, we even have a female president, which I think is very big, um, Lori Leshin, who did a lot of work with, I think, NASA or something crazy like that. So she's also been definitely very hands-on and helping equal out or level out the playing fields. But I've never felt uh, unequal from my classmates, male or female. So I think that's, just, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. So what, what do you think, Lauren? How about you? Um, the same thing goes for me pretty much. I've always, I guess, been aware of that data and that high percentage of males, but it's definitely never pushed me away from wanting to pursue an engineering degree. If anything, it kind of motivated me more um, since I was younger, just knowing that um, I always needed to get the best grades I possibly could and like perform to the best of my ability. And my parents really um, kind of instilled that in me as well, just always that good grades were so important and doing well was so important and learning was so important. Um, and I really feel like I just do it for myself and motivate myself. And I don't really um, think about that data very much. But you both realize that when you go out into the manufacturing field, it's still pretty much male dominated in the manufacturing field. How, you go, how do you feel, what are you going to have in order to accept that challenge when you're going out into the menu if it is in manufacturing you're going out into the manufacturing or in total industrial field how what is it that you think is going to be the catalyst for you to accept that challenge and overtake that challenge you can go lauren um 
I think that we've really been, I think that we've really been taught and have been learning and have been um, really gaining a lot of skills. And some of those include like leadership and just having confidence. And I think um, knowing that even if I do end up in a field that um, is predominated by males, that I can change that. Um, and that I could even like put together my own support group. Like we have all these groups and clubs um, at school that's something that we could do in the workforce and in the workplace. And I know that I can do that. I have the leadership skills and that's something that I would be able to take on when I um, am actually out in the workforce. I think just knowing that I've done it before, like I have had internships where I was the only girl around in terms of engineering or there was one or two others, not interns, but just engineers total female engineers in the whole company. So just knowing that I've dealt with it and WPI has also provided me with so much, like Lauren said, um, experience, whether it's leadership or group work. So I've been able to learn how to work in a group setting. So just my confidence and my ability that I can get the job done and I do know what I'm doing, I think will help um, once I actually reach the workforce, despite whether it's dominated by males or not. So if we were going to revamp the K to 12 education system okay that would support the the many women because right now just in education alone uh it's probably close to 55 uh 45 for women in school in, in general in school so if we we're going to revamp that k through 12 what do you think would be the, the 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 understanding is the number one item that we would move towards and when would you do it between K to 12? Kelsey. I really, I think what Kelsey was saying about how she, um, sorry, <laughs> I think what saying about how she um, had that experience with the internship in high school, I think that was huge to expose her to the field. And I think just exposing both um, young women and men to the um, idea of engineering and that field as a whole, introducing that to them when they're younger and not waiting until they need to make a decision about what they want to pursue as a degree or what they want to do with their life. I think exposing them to that when they're a little bit younger um, so that they have time to think about what they want to do and they have that as an option. I think that that would be a great way to get more people to want to pursue like engineering degrees and stuff. I think um, with the internship that I did do in high school, I do think it was very useful, but I think it would also be a good idea to maybe introduce it earlier on in high school, which I know isn't um, easy, but that way it isn't our senior year, the year right before we leave, it's earlier. So if kids were on the fence about majoring in STEM, like they could try it out earlier rather than later. And I know with our school specifically, it is an all STEM school. So you're most likely going to come here for STEM. It's not like the other colleges where they have an engineering building or a business building or a pharmacy building. So it is a little harder to come here if you're undecided with whether you wanna do engineering or not. So I think definitely introducing it early on. And I think for me too, like middle school would be a good idea just to like after school programs or just introduce engineering for women or all kids in general, because I know for me, although I was always knew I wanted to do something like engineering when I was little, I, engineering specifically wasn't necessarily on my radar as a middle schooler. So I think just finding fun ways and 
just with based off child developmental stages, like learning how to engage younger children in STEM-like activities is definitely a good way to do it. Like I know as a camp counselor, I had some campers who were like 11 come to WPI for math and science camps and they love that. So just uh, things like that, just making more available to more people at a younger age. Uh, there's a big push right now going into school to try and get shop classes back into school. How do you guys feel about that? My, I think that's, sorry. No, no, sorry, it's hard. Uh, my high school actually did have um, a lot of shop classes and I didn't actually take any of them, but my brother took a decent amount of them and he loved it. Um, I, we had like a whole kind of like area of the school that was like a shop-like setting and they could take these like construction engineering classes and like just like con more construction like classes. And I think that that was really cool. And I know that he enjoyed that experience a lot. Um, I think that would help a lot of kids too. I think my mother had down her basement the birdhouse I made in shop class. <laughs> and I'm definitely not an engineer. But to take a look at, to, to move towards that, okay, to get to say to get to a shop class, uh, where would you think it should be started, Kelsey? I would say like same thing. I think high schools, um, early on high school is definitely a good stage to start figuring stuff like that out. But I know like my high school also did have a shop class, but talking to some of the students here at um, WPI, even my roommate, a lot of other high schools had more classes like computer science or robotics. Like I know my high school didn't necessarily have those options. And those are also trickier majors that you kind of need to get interested in at an earlier age. Like my roommate, who's a computer science major, was taking computer science classes since like freshman year of high school. So I think just in addition to shop classes, all of that stuff would be very good in the high school level. It's like coding for computer science and such. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's coding boot camps now that are filling up at an alarming rate, you know, an alarming rate. So to take a, to, let's go to, there's a guy by the name of Mike Rowe. He has a, a television show out called Dirty Jobs. And he talks about the fact that you need education and he says, education is not a college degree. 48% of all the jobs that are out in the marketplace don't require a college degree, but they require an education. What would you sum up as what you think the word education means, Kelsey? I think, um, honestly, you learn more from doing. So just like, especially at our school, we're so hands-on based that I learned the most working in the group setting, not necessarily, obviously I do learn from the classes, but not necessarily reading a textbook, but more here's a lecture and then applying that in a group setting rather than just solving equations out of a book. And, and what so do you feel learning. about that, Lauren? I definitely agree. Um, that experience is really valuable, but I also think that the part of education that's really just having knowledge is also extremely important so that can't be lost but I think that both that basic knowledge and actually having experiences whether they're projects or going out in the field and like actually doing hands-on stuff like Kelsey said they're both extremely important. Which would bring me to my next question what specific projects have enhanced your engineering education? I know for me specifically, we're offered a GPS class, which is a global problem or great problem seminar. So I actually worked at my first semester in college on 
redesigning houses in the Dominican Republic. So just like the second I get to my tech school, like there, I'm already hands-on and involved in projects like that. So I had to work with group members and actually do all of this research and then create a model and present it to judges. So I've done that. And then all my robotics classes, I've had to actually produce a robot, which I currently have in the, my room right now. I like, I'm two weeks into the first, um, or to C term for our classes. And I already have produced like a robot and now I'm just building on from it from there. So it's just every single class basically I've taken except for even, or actually even my math classes, we do group projects and we actually are producing things. And I know Lauren can talk more about this, but like as juniors, we're working on our inter-qualifying projects, which is when we would have gone abroad. So I think every grade level here, there's definitely a project to work on. What, what have you done, Lauren? Yeah, so as um, a junior at WPI, um, you're required to do what we call an interactive qualifying project, which um, we would have actually gone abroad for. We, I was supposed to go to um, Monteverde, Costa Rica. I was supposed to actually be there right now. Um, but it's a big project that we actually plan and research ourselves. And so we do all the background research. We make all of our own methods. And then we actually go to this place where it can, there's many locations that WPI has um, project centers, but we actually go to this place and we actually do the research on our project and implement it. So um, mine was supposed to be in Monteverde, like I said, um, which was their economy was hit really hard um, by the COVID-19 pandemic because they, um, like they relied on tourism so heavily. Um, so my project was actually going to be to like enrich their local economy by um, implementing a local currency. Um, so I'm actually in the middle of doing that right now. Um, although I can't actually go, we've been doing it all virtually um, on Zoom with people I've been interviewing um, with my sponsor and with people there. Um, so it's giving us a lot of like real life experience with um, just planning the whole project and doing it. Uh, like the communication, the leadership, the time management of doing that whole project is huge skills that um, you can't really learn by not doing something like this. So you think that all these application-based uh, projects uh, is what enhances your, not only your education, but your attitude towards keep going, keep going, keep going. Is that a support system in a way for you guys? Yeah, I would definitely say that it is. I think that this is just um, a tool like this project is a huge like tool that they give us to really apply not only our knowledge but apply all these skills that we've been developing and really put them to the test like having to work with a team to plan this project and having to conduct the whole project ourselves um, although it is like part of grad like part of our graduation requirements it also is just such a helpful thing that and a tool that they give us because it's something that we can talk about for like interviews and stuff. And it just allows us to um, develop all these skills. So I think that that's a great thing that like they have in place. Yeah, I would agree. It not only um, enhances our project skills, but also like our communication skills as well. And it gives us that tool. So it teaches us how to present. Cause I know in the workforce, like for my internships, especially I needed to present to like the entire engineering team, as well as like the CEO of the company. So this gives us definitely those tools that we need to excel in the workforce. And it's definitely a good support system. We have a lot of professors here that are willing to help 
all the time, constantly. Like my IQP advisor is setting us up a field trip to um, travel to like a radiation factory. And they're so very hands-on and they're very passionate in teaching us that I think it definitely helps even more. So do you find that same passion uh, in your uh, advising and teaching uh, that you've been uh, exposed to, Lauren? I definitely agree. I think um, not only my advisors for this project, but all the teachers that I've had at WPI have been so passionate about what they're teaching and they always try to keep us engaged and um, teach us like everything that they know, whether it's like just the material or whether it's experiences that they've had outside of teaching. It's so helpful just to like learn the material from them, but also when they start talking about what they did when they weren't teaching and like just their real life experiences, that's also so valuable to us. Okay, so I'll give you uh, a, a strange definition right now, the definition of technology from an economic perspective. And I would ask a student to say, okay, you work and you don't have a computer in your job, but I put a computer on your desk. Have I given you technology? And they all say, yes. But what makes it technology for you, for, from your perspective, Lauren? Just I that I gave you a computer, but what makes it technology? You need the skills to be able to make that computer work. That's what jumps out at me. Like somebody who's never been exposed to technology and has never owned a computer is not going to know how to make it work and use all like the great functions that it has. Obviously, you need to be taught how to use technology, not just it given to you. And what do you think, Kelsey? I would say the same thing. Like technically, yes, you did give me technology, but you didn't necessarily give me useful technology because if I don't know how to open the computer or turn it on, it serves no purpose in helping me. What about adaptability to that technology? If you're K through 12, if you haven't been exposed at all to it, not just the technology of computers, but you know, like some of the, the some of the STEM classes that are available, do you feel that that's going to hinder a, a high school senior that's gone all through K through 12 being able to adapt to say, I'm going to go to Worcester Powell? I think I wouldn't necessarily consider it hindering. It would definitely be challenging. I know for me personally, I decided to minor in robotics engineering with absolutely no background experience in robotics whatsoever. So I took my class freshman year of college and all of the other students like were on their high school robotics teams and did all of this coding in previous years and I knew absolutely nothing. So I didn't feel like at a disadvantage because I was still learning the same material as them at the same time. I just had to put in a lot more work outside of class, going to all of the office hours, getting help anytime I could. So I wasn't necessarily hindered in my education, but it was definitely a little more challenging, I think, than if I were to come in with slightly more background knowledge. And did you have the same uh, challenges, Lauren? Um, I would definitely agree that not having um, as much access to technology in high school and just learning all those programs and stuff would definitely maybe make it a little harder, but I wouldn't make it impossible at all. You would just probably need to try a little harder and get extra help. If anything, I think having that early exposure would kind of just put people ahead a little bit. It may 
give you, if you've already taken a couple classes in high school and you got credit for those in college, that might give you the chance to pick up a minor or pick up two minors or maybe pick up another major because you already were a little bit ahead with those high school classes that you were exposed to. Um, so I think if anything, it might put you a little bit ahead in your studies to the point where you could get more out of it than um, maybe somebody who is starting from absolute square one, I guess. So do you think the person who's starting from absolute square one would find that challenge almost daunting to the point where I really can't do this. Let me go and be a liberal arts major and uh, or go get a job in, in uh, human services and be a social worker. I think that that definitely goes back to our talk about the support stream. Um, because I think if you have people behind you that are telling you that things are possible and that you can do whatever you want, then you're definitely going to believe in yourself more. Um, but if you have guidance counselors telling you in high school, like, yeah, no, you're not going to, you're not going to do well doing that, then that's definitely going to scare you and make you not want to do it. But if you have teachers, guidance counselors, parents, other people that you look up to telling you that you can accomplish whatever you want, then um, I think that you're not going to be as scared off by it and that it's definitely doable. How do you feel about that, Kelsey? No, I totally agree with Lauren. I would say definitely as freshmen at this school, it was definitely very intense. You dive in right away and you're just like thrown into the fire a little um and I've seen so many people like struggling with classes and you get very scared like I know I was terrified like if my grades started to slip because I always maintained very good grades in high school that when I started getting like a B or a C I was freaking out a lot about my grades but I had teammates who were graduating with very high GPAs and they're like guess what we also got C's as freshmen like there's a saying like C's get degrees. And although I'm not aiming for C's necessarily, like it is possible to not do well in like one class or like one aspect, but like once you have that support system and people telling you that it's possible, um, it's definitely helpful. So you think that the support stream, once you left home and got into that college setting, especially with WPI, that support stream became even stronger in order to enable you to do that. Yeah, I would say especially Lauren and I are on the field hockey team together and just having those teammates above us, like either tell us about their experiences or witness them go through an experience the previous year that we're now going through the same experience and seeing that they did make it out is definitely helpful and gives us hope that we can also make, through, uh, make, make it through these times. So you think the examples that are set ahead of you uh, make a difference? What do you think, Lauren? I definitely um, think so. Uh, just like I was saying about how my dad's in engineering, like that was always something that I looked up to. Um, I have other like cousins and family friends who were in engineering too. And it was always something that I looked up to. So I think being able to see that other people accom can accomplish those things and did accomplish those things, um, makes you know that it's possible for you too and that if you want to pursue something like engineering that you totally can um, and it's not always going to be like easy at times but it is possible for you to that's good so let's get down to the, the the bottom line to this give me the general pluses lauren of what you've done to pursue an engineering degree um i would say just um, 
the fact that I know that after I graduate that, well, I don't know, but like I'm fairly confident that there will be um, jobs in engineering for me after I graduate because um, it's such a desired field. Um, and I don't feel that there's any difference between males and females anymore really in that field, in the hiring sense. Like maybe when we get there, it won't be exactly even, but I don't think there's any um, difference in who companies are looking for. They're really just looking for your qualifications and like your degree and what you're gonna bring to their company. So just knowing that that's possible and that I will get a job after in a field that I want, um, that, uh, that really is a big plus for me. Okay, so I'll ask you to think about the negatives and I'll ask Kelsey what the pluses are. Uh, I would agree with Lauren. It's definitely knowing, especially now as juniors, um, and solidifying that like this, I know is what I want to do in life. I was never one very interested in sitting in a cubicle or an office all day, every day. So it's the fact that all of the fun I've had at school with my projects and getting all this experience, I get to then apply to the real world. And especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been an increase in like manufacturing and automation and processes like that, which is very interesting to see how I can apply what I'm learning through the pandemic to try and help out in times like this, like in the future, as we're narrowing graduation. Well, one of, a couple of things we've already talked about in past uh, podcasts is what's going to happen post-pandemic. My first podcast was on lockdowns and what a company's going to do post-pandemic. So that's important, uh, important to keep that consideration. So what do you think? Just give me one negative, Lauren. I would say, like we kind of already alluded to, um, that there isn't really an exact um, equalness between the number of women and number of males um, in the field right now in engineering. I'd say that not really being exposed to that because at our school, I would say it's pretty equal and we've always felt um, like the number is even and that we are completely equal, but not being exposed to um, the possible difference between the number of males and females when we do get out into the workforce um, is something that kind of scares me. But at the same time, like we talked about earlier, I know that I've been given all the skills and the support um, that to make a difference um, when I do get out to the workforce. So yeah, I guess that's what I would say. So that that's the... You got the skills to do the technology and now you got the knowledge to do the technology. Adapting is not gonna be an issue for you then to go out and adapt to whatever out there. What about you, Kelsey? What's a, a negative? Honestly, there aren't really many. I would have to like agree with Lauren. Like we've been so accustomed to this great environment here that we haven't necessarily felt hindered or like at a disadvantage being a woman in engineering obviously like I said earlier like as my classes get more towards my specific major I see less and less females in my classes but my male classmates are also just as supportive and knowledgeable and like they don't look at me differently just because I'm a female they're and they don't think oh she's a woman so she's not as smart we don't want her in our group like I've worked with people and all like or different genders so everyone's pretty equal here at school so I guess it's just like if we do go out into the real world and we don't have that um like exposure to like a ne more negative environment it's like dealing with that and also 
with the pandemic, we're learning online. So there's also kind of the unsurety of when we do go out into the real world, we've been spending a semester and a half now on online classes. So it's being able to, if we can adapt to going back into the real world and applying our knowledge then outside of a computer. That's what we're talking about in this whole podcast is adjusting to the real world. So do you get that kind of support from all of your classmates? Are you on projects with split between males and females? And the and all the input is valued the same? I would yeah, I would definitely say that I've never um, come across anybody that's treated me has anything less than equal. Um, whether it be like my ideas and like stuff like that in a group, I always feel like my ideas are like worthy and um, that people listen to me. I've never felt that um, I haven't been respected, whether it be by teachers or people I'm working with on a project or even just people in my class. I've, I've never had that experience. And I think that just goes to show how, how good the environment is at our school. Um, as it really is, like we have not been exposed to many negatives. So I think that the environment we've created is just really, really good for the women that want to go into engineering. And what about for your perspective, Kelsey? Yeah, I would say the same thing. I've definitely, I'm currently working on my IQP and um, surprisingly it is three girls and one guy. So, but I've definitely had other experiences where I have been the only girl on the team and I've never felt at like a disadvantage or unweak unequal and I always felt like my voice was heard and I've even been able to take a more leadership role on those groups and having the male students like kind of listen to what I have to say or like take like my um advice and stuff like that so I've definitely never really felt any like disadvantages here uncomfortable here it's a very good environment well this has been fantastic so Give me the, the last word. Uh, you can go with the last word. Why don't you start, Lauren? And Kelsey, you can think about what you want to say for the last word. Final word, final thought, Lauren. I think that um, if you are thinking about going into engineering as a, women, or as a woman, I just think that you should know that that's possible and that if you want to do that, nothing should scare you from that. Um, many of the schools that are engineering have similar environments to ours, and I think you'll be welcome and you'll be valued um, if you decide to pursue that path. Okay, last word, Kels, what do you think? I'd say like uh, women or male, if you're very interested in engineering, like get on it early on. Don't wait until like you're a senior in high school. If there's a summer camp that offers math and STEM, sign up for it. And honestly, with all majors, like test the waters early on and really try and get a feel for what you want to do at an early on age. And then that way it'll really secure your decision and make it a lot easier when you're going into college. So I'll give you my final thought here. My final word is that when people hear this, uh, when this is aired and people would call their kids over to the, to the computer and say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast on women in engineering. You got to listen to this. I think there's going to be parents that are coming over and bringing their kids next to that computer and listening or being on their phone and listening to this podcast. That's going to be an inspiration to a lot of women in engineering, a lot of men in engineering also. I just think it's a, you know, to get into this uh, STEM mode and find out what the support stream is. 
And if you don't have a support stream, create a support stream. If they can get that, I think you guys have done a, a, a real, real justice to the word engineering. And I think I appreciate it uh, having you guys on the, on the show. Uh, with that, we're going to sign off. And thank you both very, very much. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. If you want to see what Professor Jim Wilkinson is up to, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, if you want to join the conversation, send us an email at adjusting to the real world podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week as we navigate through this crazy world together. Till then, stay safe.